So today what I want to talk with you about is a question. Are you fostered or adopted? Are you fostered or adopted? There's a difference, isn't there? Any given day, there's 400, over 440,000 children that are in the foster care program in this nation. And of all the, fosters, of all the foster care kids, 13% of them, only 13% of them will ever get adopted. And so these are the people that grow up into adulthood, and some of those people are sitting here probably today with that many kids that have been fostered before. You know, it's different. It's different than being adopted. Belonging under a roof is different than being under a roof. Right? Belonging at the table is different than being at the table to eat. It's different. And what I want to talk with you about today is, this, is the same concept spiritually that we need to settle in our hearts and have in our minds and in our hearts that belonging to God is different than being in church. Belonging here is different than just being here. Belonging at the table is different than just being at the table. Just, it's different than just showing up. You ever go to a church that you didn't belong to and you, you walked in and you were like, oh, these are believers too, but you, you just realized, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just here. I don't really just belong. I, I, I'm just here. I'm being here. You know, I love the story that Mark and Cassie tell. They, they went and visited a place up in Ohio over Christmas time, they were like, well, it's Christmas Eve. Let's go to church. You know, they wanted to go to church. They went to this church and they were like, oh, thank God for relate. <laughs> you know, it was just so different. They didn't belong there. It was just, they were, they were there. And so the question is, are you in, in a foster care program in your spiritual life or are you actually adopted? And it seems so many people that attend church week after week sometimes, and they call themselves Christians sometimes, have only allowed themselves to be fostered by God and God's people as opposed to actually adopted by God and God's people. You know, church can be a lot like a foster group home. For many, it's, it's instead of being a home where you belong, it's just a foster group home. A group home provides for the basics in life for a group of people, Right? They provide food and shelter and medical care, and it's very strict, and you've heard about the, the ladies that walk around with the rulers, you know, popping everybody on the hands, and it's very strict, and it's ran by professionals, and one, ad one adoptive parent wrote this about it. She said, group homes are made to address the needs of all the children, not as individuals. At an emotional level, they cannot meet the bonding needs of each child. It's true, isn't it? They're just there to meet the needs. They're just there to help them to survive. They're not there to actually bond with them. You know, and it's so important. What happens today is so many people come to church and they're just in a group home, they think. And instead of bonding with the Father and instead of bonding with the people around them, they're just here to be. They're just here hoping that in the end they get to go to heaven. There's no bonding. There's no real nurturing. There's no real uh, purpose that they're involved in with the family of God and with God himself. There's no nurturing there. 
And the truth of the matter is, it's, it's a two-way street. The, the people have to adopt, God has to adopt, the Father has to adopt, right? But they also have to let themselves be adopted. You ever seen that in a family where there's a kid that, that you know, mom was a package with this kid and this guy married this woman with this package and, and the, 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 the relationship never happens between the father and the child because the child will not let it happen. He's, You're not my father, right? And so often that's how we treat God. Hey, I want the benefits of, I, I want to go to heaven, sure, but you're not my father. Don't tell me what to do. That's a problem, isn't it? God wants to adopt you. He wants you to be his child. Spiritually, you're an orphan. But he wants you to be his child. And he wants to bring you in. Our story today comes from Genesis with Jacob nearing the end of his life. Y'all heard of Jacob. Jacob is the one that God gave him the new name, Israel. So Jacob is, is Israel, right? He's the first man there. He's, you got Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob. Jacob became Israel. And his son, Joseph, has become one of the most powerful people in the world at this point in time in this story. Not just, not just in Egypt. He became like number two guy in Egypt. He became so powerful in Egypt. But that also meant that he was also one of the most important and powerful people in the world. And because of famine, Joseph, his son, has brought Jacob and his entire family, all of the tribes of Israel, he's brought all of them into Egypt to save their lives and to provide for them, and they settled there. So Joseph had married, while he was in Egypt, he had married one of Pharaoh's daughters. Pharaoh had given him this beautiful woman, Asenath. Uh, I don't know that she was his daughter, honestly, but Asenath was her name, who gave him two sons. Ephraim and Manasseh. And Joseph named these two boys. He was like, no, I'm not going to let you name them, honey. I'm going to name these two boys. And this is what he named them. Manasseh means this. God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's house. And he named Ephraim. God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortunes. Now look at the two names of these sons. Now, who was Joseph? If you remember, he's the guy with a coat of many colors, right? He's the guy that his brothers hated him so much that when he went out to check on them for their father, what did they do? They beat him up, they threw him in a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. And ultimately, that's how he ended up in Egypt all by himself, as a slave. That's Joseph. This is the same Joseph. And so Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers, names his two children this. God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's house. That means God has healed me over what my brothers did and everything that happened to me. How many of you want to forget about, well, you don't have to answer it, but how many of you would like to forget about what happened as you were growing up, right? That's what he was saying. God has made me forget about all of that. And some of you honestly need some healing over what happened to you when you were growing up. Some of you are like 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 and 100 years old, right? And you're still holding on to it. 
God, I need healing from that. And he says, God has made me forget about all of that. Ephraim, God has made me fruitful in the land of my misfortunes. Here he is, this, this guy that was sold into slavery and brought into this land. Great misfortune, right? And now he's the number two guy in all of the land. Absolutely amazing what God has done in this guy's life. Well, one day, word got to Joseph that his father, Jacob, was ill. He's about to die. So he gets his two sons, and he takes them to see his father before he passes. And Jacob told Joseph at that point about the promise that God had made to him. Remember the promise that God made to Abraham? God made it to Isaac, and then God transferred it to Jacob. And he said, all right, this is, this is what I promised to your father, Abraham, and you're, you're going to be the fulfillment of this. And he, so he tells him about that promise, and he says this, God said, I'm going to make you prosperous and numerous, turn you into a congregation of tribes, and I'll turn this land over to your children coming after you as a permanent inheritance. And he's like, look, this is what God's going to do. He's going to do this for our family. And, and you're a part of that, Joseph. And then Jacob said to him, he said, look, these two sons, I'm adopting your two sons who were born to you here in Egypt before I joined you. They have equal status with Reuben and Simeon. So what did he do? Jacob took Joseph's two sons, the two sons, and these two sons would replace Joseph. So when you read about the 12 tribes of Israel, if you look in the Old Testament, you read about all the 12 tribes of Israel, there is no tribe of Joseph, right? There's only the half tribe of Manasseh and the half tribe of Ephraim. And, he, and those two are the tribe of Joseph. And, and they make that up. What was Jacob doing? Jacob was doubling Joseph's blessings is what he was doing. Instead of just giving his blessing to one person, he gave it to both of them and it, was, and it was equally distributed. It's awesome. So here's what's interesting though. Asenath, the mother of these two boys, this Egyptian woman, she wasn't a Hebrew, she was an Egyptian. In fact, her father was a prestigious priest of the sun god, worshiping the sun god. So here we have the combination of a worldly woman who is steeped in idolatrous family, and she has children with this man of God, Joseph, right? The man born of promise. So the spiritual symbolism here is, is, is huge here, right? Here we have Jesus, who was born of a woman, Mary, a sinful woman, and he was born of God, right? So what was the purpose of it? So that God the Father could then adopt all of us. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that beautiful? Jacob had no idea what he was doing at that moment. It was symbolic of what God the Father was going to do for all of us. He wanted to adopt us. God wants to adopt you. Man, that's huge. How blessed is God. Look at this passage, Ephesians chapter 1. How blessed is God. And what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind. 
had settled on us as the focus of His love, to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure He took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of of His lavish gift-giving by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans He took such delight in making. You hear what He's saying? He's like, he's like look, this is not a foster care program. When you go into a foster home, you're not a part of the plan. You're not a part of anything other than you're just there to be provided for and exist. He's talking about us being a part of God's plan and God's purpose and everything God wants to do. What does that mean? He's brought us in as his children and says, I want you to do the things on this earth that are a part of my life. You're my child now. Oh, that's awesome. He says, because of that sacrifice, his blood poured out on the altar. We're abundantly free. He set it all out before us in Christ's long-range plan in in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And it's not until you get adopted into his family that you truly understand your life. That's what he's saying. Well, I don't understand the pain and the struggle and the difficulty, the problems that I had to go through when I was growing up and all the stuff that's happened since I'm an adult, even the stuff that I've messed up. I don't understand all of it. He says, you're not going to understand all of it until you become his child. That's where you find out who you are and what you're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had his eye on us. Oh, man, that's awesome. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. Everybody say everything and everyone. That includes me. That includes you. It's in Christ that you... Once you heard the truth and believed this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment of what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. I don't know about you, but I hope that there's something great in the future, right? Don't you hope this is all worth something? Well, here's the promise that it is. Here's the promise that it is. And you know, this world doesn't give us a lot of stability, does it? This world doesn't come through on all its promises. People don't always come through on their promises, do they? But God does. He will. God never set up a foster group home care church program in this world. You're either a child of His or you're not. 
And there's, there's not a child of his that's lesser than. Right? But for various reasons, we have a culture that seems to have this impression that foster group home care is an option for people. And we care for the group, we preach to the group, we teach the group. But what we have to realize is it's about the individual. It's about whether or not you personally have said, you know what, I'm, I'm not settled with just being a part of the group. God didn't set up a foster care program. God adopted me. I'm his child. I belong to him. And I'm going to be more than I could ever think of because of him. And coming in and saying, you know what, I belong to God. And I belong to this family is so important. You know, some people have been hurt. You know, when you go from one foster home to another foster home, you, you guys have heard the stories of these kids or adults that are now grown up and they don't mind talking about it. You go from one foster home to the next, it's difficult. And some people have done that in their church life. They've gone from one foster home to the next in their churches. And it's just, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of history there and it's difficult. Listen, we're not here to build a foster home care. We're here to build a church family, the family of God and what God has called us to in his family. And we're going to function like that. We're going to function like the father is in charge, right? Like the father is speaking to us, like the father is directing us and giving us his direction and plans for our lives. God doesn't run foster group homes. He gave us the church to be a family where he adopts people to belong to him. And we're accountable to provide that kind of a house. Amen? You are adopted. What does that mean? You belong. You belong. Yeah, but John, I've never really belonged anywhere. People didn't accept me. We don't have a choice. You belong. Yeah, but I don't know that I want that, John. I got hurt. Okay. It's still your choice. It, it is your choice, yeah. We understand that. But I will tell you that the more you believe God loves you, the more you're going to experience Him. And if you want to keep that wall up, you know, I... You're looking at a guy that has all the reasons in the world to just throw a wall between God and him right now. But I'm not going to because I trust him. And I believe in him. And though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Right? And here's what I know. I know that God is a good God and he's going to take care of all things 
we just give him the time and we keep following his purpose and we keep loving him through the process. And we got to do that with each other too. Don't give up too soon on your church family. We're not perfect. I'll be the first to tell you that. In fact, if you want to find something wrong with us, just come to me. I'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? We're not perfect. We're just trying. And that's all that is required, honestly. That we try to love. I read from you Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to skip over to Ephesians chapter 2 now. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. I'm talking about you. You're no longer a stranger or an outsider in the kingdom of God. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. God is building a home, not just for us, but for Him. He wants to live with us. That's awesome. So Joseph's sons were born of a non-Israelite woman, and they were brought into Jacob's blessing as though they were his very own children. And that's what God is bringing you and me into, to be his own children, to receive his blessing, to receive his favor, to receive all of the inheritance that he has for us. And when God adopts you, you become his. You belong to him. There's some things to, that are so important to note here. Number one, it really costs a lot to adopt, right? Upwards to $45,000 now. I would imagine more. <laughs> but at least for one child, right? And it, listen, it, it, and the, the, the other thing is this. It's a lot of responsibility to adopt somebody. Now, when you hear your child crying, especially if they're like zero to six months, what happens? Compassion fills you. Oh, what's wrong? You can't care for yourself. I need to help you. You need your diaper change. Oh, you spit up all over the place. All right, that's fine. That's normal. You know, anything above that, you're like, stop it, right? <laughs> you don't just get to throw up or spit anywhere you want to now, right, as they grow up. But when they're young and you've got all this compassion for them, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing that humans can, are capable of doing that. And, but you hear someone else's kid crying, what's going on? Drives you crazy. Somebody shut the kid up. I got to get out of here, right? You're in Walmart. You will, you will miss half your grocery shopping just to avoid some other person's kid crying. But when you adopt someone else's kid, you're saying, their cries are going to touch my heart. 
I'm going to do what I can to discipline and to take care of them. There's responsibility. I'm going to teach them how to behave. I'm going to teach them how to live. I'm going to treat, teach them how to treat others. I'm going to make sure that they understand what it looks like to grow up with responsibility because I'm going to embrace this responsibility as though this child is mine. That's adoption, and that is a huge huge thing a choice of love right I will bear this burden by choice is what it looks like the other thing is when you adopt a child you can't give the child back did you know that you know when you have a child naturally you can give the child away but adoption you can't give the child back they're not going to take them back. And you've committed to that child and, and social services and everybody that you're going to deal with that child for the rest of their life. It's one thing to be born into a family that, that you couldn't choose to be born into and that didn't really choose for you to be there. But it's a whole other thing to be brought into a family that chose you. And that's adoption. And the hang-up happens when you don't allow the adoption to truly take place. I've seen it so many times where a father is just ready to lavish his love on somebody, a child, as though they were his. And he can't. He goes, you're not my dad. And today, maybe... You need to make that switch in your heart and say, Father, you'll be my father. I accept you. I do accept what you like. I do accept what you don't like. And I want to accommodate for you living in my life. God may have paid the price for you, but you've got to let yourself become into that relationship so important you see God paid the price for you to belong to him he sent his one and only son Jesus right he paid the price and a huge price for you God embraced the responsibility of training you and raising you up that's why we're here as a church family the responsibility that God embraced God's blessing God's favor God's hope God built this house. He's the builder of this house, right? And God will never try to give you back to the world. He will never try to give you back. He'll never try to trade you off. He'll never try to get a refund for you. He'll never use you for that, for anything that, uh, that is anything other than good. That's, our God is awesome. And you can choose to run away from him, but he will never try to run away from you. James David, would you come? I want to read John chapter 3. You guys have heard it and memorized this passage in another version. It's the most famous passage in all of Scripture. At least the first part of it is. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Different version. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. 
God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God who introduced, when introduced to him. Wow. Trying to live in some kind of spiritual foster care, bouncing around in life, God wants us to become stable. People who are part of his kingdom, who are solid and strong, firmly planted. He wants your life to be stable. He's adopted you. Have you said, Abba, Father yet? Have you said, you're my father yet? You know, some of you feel like you grew up in foster care type of spiritual situation. You were never adopted. Maybe a church never adopted you and maybe a church was never really willing to commit themselves to you. Some foster parents are only in it for the money and honestly, some churches, honestly, they're in, the, in it for the money, right? That's all you hear about. Or maybe when the right people tried to adopt you, maybe when the right church tried to help you connect, maybe you sabotaged it and said, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to let this, these people hurt me. I'm, I'm just, I just want to slip in and slip out. I don't want to be a part of God's family necessarily. I just want to get to heaven. That's all I want because I don't want all the mess that comes with it. Listen, it is a mess. It's a family, right? How many of you can't wait for Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> you know who's going to be there. It's a family. It's a mess. It's the way it is. And as much as we try not to make messes around here, it's a, it's, this is a really great church, isn't it? It's a wonderful family. But there are going to be messes at times. And honestly, that's where it'll be fun. It's the family of God. Have you allowed yourself to be adopted? And today may be that day for you. To become a rightful son or daughter of God. I've got a few scriptures here to read. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> for those who are led by the Spirit of God are, are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. First John chapter 3. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are. Children of God. And that's only the beginning Becoming a child of God is just the beginning. What is he saying? He's saying the world doesn't know who he is and what he's up to. We do. Or at least we can know. 
And that's why you're here. That's why we're here together to try to figure it out who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what is he up to? What does God want to accomplish in this world? And we do it together. But when the time arrived, Galatians chapter 4, when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son born among us of a woman born under the conditions of the law. What is he saying? Just, just like Joseph's wife bore those children. Just, he's, he's talking about Mary here. She was born under the conditions of the law so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you're now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father, doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you're not a slave but you're a child? And if you're a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Wow. That is yours. You have an inheritance. I don't know about you, but that is fun to think about. Jet skis, all kinds of great boats. <laughs> I don't know what it is up in heaven. We can, we can dream, though. We can dream. We at least know Jesus has said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a place for you to live, right? There's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. You talk about food. We love to eat around here, don't we? We love food. It's going to be an absolutely amazing place. But it's so much more. It, you're his child. You're his child. And he loves you like he loves nobody else. There's nobody else on this earth that's you. And God knows that. And he has a relationship with you that is different than his relationship with anybody else. And his love for you is different than his love for anybody else. When my kids were younger, I used to tell them, I love you more than anybody else. And the other ones would be sitting there. And I'd look at them and say, love you more than anybody else. You just said that to them. You lying to me? <laughs> and the other one's like, well, wait. I Until they finally understood. I love you unlike I love anybody else. And as a parent, you understand that. And God loves you like he loves absolutely nobody else. There's nobody else on this earth that's been through what you've been through. There's nobody else that has your DNA, that has who you are, your giftings, your talents, your inabilities, and all of the things about you. There's nobody else on earth like you ever, ever, ever. And he loves you. And he doesn't judge you compared to anybody else. So why? Why is this so important? Because you belong to him. And he wants 
to know you and you to know him. And some of you have been holding back, afraid. And listen, I promise you, I promise you, I'm going to disappoint you and fail you at some point. Just as honest as I can say that, I can also promise you, he will never fail you and disappoint you. It may look like it at times, right? And that's why we got to call Abba, Father, I need you. I need your help. And I promise you, because he promised, he would never leave you, he will never forsake you. Never. He's a good father. And he knows what you need. And he wants to take care of you. Would you bow your heads? Maybe you're here today. You had a horrible dad. It's time to disconnect that from God the Father. Maybe you've had horrible experiences with Christians or a church. It's time to disconnect that from God the Father. been adopted and you belong to him will you call him father will you call him father Abba father thank you for taking me in. Not because I deserved it. You just chose to. Thank you for purchasing me. Taking on the responsibility to have me. Come on, just begin to thank him. God, thank you that in spite of all of my sin, the times that I shook my fist at you, in spite of it, you still love. And I'm still your child. The times that I ignored your presence in my life, you still you still stayed. Thank you. You're a good father. And I don't understand all your ways. 
but I trust you. Father, I know that you're reaching into the hearts and lives of those that are here today and maybe those that are listening. Wrap your arms around them. I know you want to. We just got to let you. And we choose today to let you be our Father. To hear about what you like and what you don't like. To make room in every area of our life for you. Thank you for being a good dad, good father. Jesus, thank you for the brotherhood that you've allowed us to be in. And at times we'll share in your sufferings knowing that we'll also share in your glory. And that if you made it through what you made it through while your father had to turn his back as you hung on the cross... And you cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? We know what that feels like at some level, certainly not at that level. We thank you for that brotherhood. We ask you for strength and courage to fight through this life, to be strong and let love win and Holy Spirit we thank you so much for guiding us drawing us wooing us into the family of God we thank you for helping us empowering us anointing us to live better lives lives of love and hope peace in spite of the darkness of this world. And we turn our lives over to you, God. And we thank you so much for what you're doing. And we pray, Father, collectively as a church family, we commit ourselves to the work of truly doing what you want when it comes to this church family. That it would be that you're the builder of the house. And God, help us to play the part to do what you've called us to, each and every one of us, to the best of our abilities, to be kind and patient, loving, but also to hold firmly to the truth. We commit ourselves to that and to your purposes. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Today, you made a decision to say, he's my father. I'm adopted. I belong to him. And I'm going to give myself over to him today as my father. Right where you are, I just want you to look up at me until my eyes catch yours. All right? Anybody else? New beginning. A new beginning. You're my father. All right. 
All right, anybody else? Awesome.